Henry, I found this really nice place we should go to. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, they're like new, fancy, furnishable rooms. There is like free food and, you know, lodging and like people who will help you out, like teach you how to get new jobs and get better in life. There's like really nice scenery. Damn, that sounds nice, but won't that be expensive? No, 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 no. it will be free. Just all we gotta do is rob a bank. Podcast Yggdrasil. And we're back. And we're not even in prison. Woo! Yet. Hopefully. Yeah, segue. Nice. <laughs> today's theme, today's subject is prison. And how we're better at it. Yeah, we're awesome at it. Norway FTW. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, uh, today's theme is prison. Uh, prison and rehabilitation, I guess. Yeah, and the, the, the purpose of prison, I guess you could see uh, in many yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, to our loyal American listeners, uh, the concept of rehabilitation is probably a foreign one. Yeah, it's more like prison is this hole you never come out of. Except you mostly do. But can you really expect anything else from a country where the term for-profit prison is an everyday term? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a profit for some. <sighs> Not the new victims. But of course, America won't be our only sub- subject of criticism today. Nah, there uh, will be puppies. You promised puppies. I'll, I want to quote, ta- quote Count Dooku from Star Wars by saying, I've been looking forward to this. You see, Norway is in a very special position when it comes to our prisons. Uh, yeah, let's just jump in, right? This is yeah. just a, basically a... It's not often that I want to circle jerk my own country. I like criticizing my own country. But here in Norway, we do prisons quite well, I think. It's, it's an area where I think we should just Basically, just brag about ourselves. Yeah, and uh, we, we we have tried doing so. I'm I mean I'm knowing that you know the Halden prison has been you know the talk of the town, and by town I mean you know the world and uh, pe- <laughs> the town the town we know as Earth. And uh, you know people from there have went around and you know especially to America and tried them to make them seem the error of their ways if they don't want you know people to get into prison get out, do crime, go back in prison, go out, do even more crime. Mm. Because Uh, more crime, bad. Yeah. Uh, When it comes to prison, uh, one thing that every prison has in common, I think, almost, with the possible exception of the USA, the one thing they all have in common is that the purpose, or one of the purposes, maybe the main purpose of prison is to make sure the criminals don't commit more crime in the future. Okay, now that I'm saying it, that's definitely wrong for the, for the USA. <laughs> they really, really like it when people go back to prison. But most prisons have that same goal. Uh, their methods are very different depending yeah. on where you are. Uh, here in Norway, our focus is on treating people humanely and offering them the tools they need to make changes to themselves and their lives so they can avoid prison once they get out. Uh, That's how we avoid more crime in the future here in Norway. In certain other countries, like, say, the USA, or, yeah, 
Britain. China. China. <laughs> well, China is its own beast. <sighs> Free Hong Kong. Uh, in many other countries, the they go about it basically through brutality. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's it's this classical belief that first of all, prison means that you're gonna get punished, and then it's the theory that like if we teach, if we treat our prisoners really, really bad, then nobody wants to be prisoners. Yeah, they'll be scared of going and, back to prison. Yeah, or or like you know the people who haven't committed crime yet will go like. Oh man, that looks really bad being in prison and losing your soap. I don't want to go to prison, so not do this crime when I'm starving because that's how your brain works. Mm. And, you know, that kind of is the problem of it. And what led to the change in, I think, the late 70s or 80s in Norway that no matter how, you know, brutal or scary going to prison seems... People still commit crimes. It's not like they stop committing crimes because they... It's it's almost more that, you know, the more brutal or bestial you, you, you act in a way, you, the, the more of the, the criminal aspect just enter into it because it's part of the game. Yeah, it's almost like the people committing crimes do so more because of socioeconomic issues than them being a bad, 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 bad person. Who wants to take stuff from others or kill it people? It just sounds like a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> what are you gonna do, Annie? St- study liberal arts or something? Yeah. You're gonna make him come out of prison with interpretive dance? Look at this picture, Andy. Look at this picture. How many genders do you see? <laughs> I don't see genders. But yeah, basically, it boils down to a question of philosophy: is the pri- is the purpose of prison rehabilitation or punishment? And uh, here in Norway, we've embraced rehabilitation. And as a result, uh, last I checked, our recidivism rate, uh, the rate by which uh, people return to prison after being released, uh, was at around 20%. And it's been there for quite a few years. And that's, uh, that's fairly low. And it, it should be said that our recidivism rate probably is a bit all over the place because... We have, you know, prisons that were built after, you know, the, the old methods of doing prison. And then we have, you know, a couple of new prisons that, I mean, all of the prisons are trying to act in a different way. But there is clearly that some of the prisons have been built by, you know, that foundation. So they, they probably do it a, a lot better. Like, uh, one of the important fundaments... What do you mean they? You mean Halden Prison? Yeah, for instance, that's yeah. one of the newer prisons in Norway. It's a maximum security prison with uh, rapists, murderers, drug dealers, all the, the scary folks you would think in prison, not the, you know, the... Communists. The occasional nice one you would think that, like, oh, they're make it on the outside. Um, and uh, one of the big, uh, you know, parts when they build that prison was that it should feel like everyday life, mm. which... It's not what people think about when they think of prison. No, because when you go to prison, people a lot of people still think that they need to be removed from, you know, normal life because they they aren't able to behave themselves in normal life. But when you think about it, at the end of their prison sentences, where are they returning? Back to this supposed normal life. But if let's say you've been you spent the last 5 years in prison, a lot of stuff can happen on the outside in that time. 
And if you spent those five years locked in a box with little to no contact with the outside and little to no knowledge of what's going on and no experience, you know, living a normal life, suddenly adapting to that new everyday life, that can be really difficult. Yeah, like if you treat the human being as an animal, it's going to start acting like an animal. Yeah. And then you let that animal out in the wild or... Society. Yeah. And, you know, shit's going to happen. Like, I I watched a documentary about, you know, Americans that were uh, coming and looking at our prisons and thinking about what they could do or what they should do with their own prisons. And, you know, one of them was talking about that in, in their prison. I can't remember which one it was, but how they had, you know, prisoners that they had so much trouble with that they were unable to keep them properly in general population. So they would put them in, you know, uh, full isolation. isolation. And some of these people were like soon coming out. And, you know, the, the, the warden was like saying this, like, if we can't handle these people in maximum security prison, how is these people going to work when they get out? Mm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's mainly, you know, the Norwegian f- uh, philosophy that's, you know, you take people out to the community. That's their punishment. They don't get to see their family. They don't get to see their loved ones. But instead of, like, putting them in a hole, you're going to put them in another community and hopefully, within the time you have, make them functioning beings again. Because if you look at the stats of things, most people that enter, you know, the prison population... They had some problems in life. They they fell off the wagon somewhere, whether that be that they grew up in a abusive household, or if they grew up, you know, really poor, or uh, if they early on fell out of education. Like with the amount of like stats you can break down, what someone is likely to be in prison. I think also there was like a study done in Holland prison where they saw that like. Uh, I think 70% of all the inmates had, um, like, not that they were, like, mentally ill, but... Mental issues. They had some form of mental issues, but that would would be, you know, PTSD, or if that would be, like, you know, that they maybe had some form of autism or something, but it was, like, it was very clear to them that, you know, regular people, unless, you know, getting into an extreme situation wouldn't end up there. So, in many ways, they're keeping up the slack when other institutions have already failed people. Yeah, and the point you bring up there is a good one, I think, because when you look at it, the way to function well in society is by mostly behaving like everyone around you. Like, you need to behave similarly to the people you're going to coexist with. And of course, you can... I mean, we all have individual characteristics and personality traits and quirks, Uh, that make us individuals, but you still need to be able to do that, you know, that everyday co-functioning alongside all the other members of your community. And the things that make you drift away from that, the things that make you, well, less functional, dysfunctional, and make you, yeah, make you break away from that and stand out, you know, through, for example, crime or a mental health episode, it's when you get affected by, you know, an outside factor, like, say, mental illness or uh, some, some disease or, 
you know, so, some other factor, some crisis in your life, for example. That's the kind of stuff, or, or an addiction. That's the kind of stuff that pushes you away from normal society and into, into a lifestyle that doesn't jive with the rest of society. And usually that equates to crime. And when you put these people in prison, if you want them to behave properly when they get out, you need to resolve those issues. And uh, of course, you need to also maybe get other, a lot of people probably need a reality check as well. I mean, there are assholes among us, <laughs> people that just take advantage of others, of course, and they need a, need a reality check. But I think I think a lot of people, a lot of people who criticize these the high standards of living in our Norwegian prisons, I think a lot of those people they. I lost my train of thoughts. Mm. Fuck shit! <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Well, I can start with something I was thinking about because a, a big, a big reaction I feel like that you know the the American supporters when it comes to the American system has is that you know you put yourself in prison. So it shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't feel bad for you being there because it's your own fault. And then it's up to you to change. And I, I find that ironic because the American prison system works like this. You're put in there and then you are like told you need to be good again and, you know, act this way. And then you have people like fucking with you, beating you, you know, treating you bad. And then... The expectation is that that will turn you into, you know, that exact thing you were told that you were going to become, like the normal obedient citizen again. Mm. While in, in in Norway, I've heard in Holland prison that, like, I'm not saying they're not trying to stop this or that I don't care about this, but they're almost fine with drugs and alcohol coming into the prison, even though it's not supposed to, because their idea isn't that, like, we're going to force you to become this person. We're just going to give you the tools. And then you will have to realize that you will have to change your life. And when you make that decision, there will be people that help you there along the way. But, you know, the motivation needs to come from you. You need to make that change. And I find that ironic because that sounds so much more like what the Americans would want from those prisoners. Agreed. It's a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, kind of. The yeah system over there and now i remember my point Ugh, fuck i hate when i lose my train of thought okay like i was saying because i think you make a good point and you're absolutely right uh but regarding like a lot of people who react negatively to the high standard of living in our prisons uh they they express themselves as if they feel like this we are treating them much better than they deserve they shouldn't be treated this well why would they s refrain from returning to crime if they're treated so well and basically don't lose anything by going to prison? I think that's an attitude you see in a lot of people, yeah. especially in America where they're used to just being straight up abused. Yeah, we should have the biggest recidivism rate in the world. Yeah, but just think about it. I mean, even even just even if you're treated well, even if you still have access to many of the same things you have on the outside of prison, you're still not free to go wherever you want. You're still robbed of your ultimate freedom. 
And I think a lot of people underestimate just how damaging it is or how much of a strain it can be on your psyche just to not have full freedom of movement. Yeah. So even though, yeah, sure, you can go outside whenever you want in Halden, and even though you have, you know, you have your own key to your own cell, and you have a TV in your room. And an old shower, yeah, so you have, don't need to be afraid to lose the soap. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to get shanked, you know, just standing with your back to the, to the door. And you have a kitchen to prep food. Just because you have those things, you still, you, you, can't, you can't go to the movies. You can't go to a club. You can't visit your loved ones whenever you want. You're still robbed of that freedom. And the point of prison is to, it's to make you uncomfortable enough to regret what you've done, but also spur you on and motivate you to do better. So, if you're to all our listeners, all our many, many listeners, <laughs> if you're one of those people who, who feel like it's unfair to treat criminals as well as we do, uh, think of it more as more as a selfish thing for you to do when you support this system. Because that's what I do. Like, uh, I have sympathy for, I have empathy for people who end up in prison. A lot of shit can get you thrown in prison. One mistake can get you thrown in there. Uh, you might even, you might not even have done a very bad thing. Uh, you might just have needs for your glaucoma. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's for my glaucoma. <laughs> I swear, I have a doctor's note. Sir, that's a receipt from McDonald's. <laughs> I have glaucoma. Want a nugget? Yeah, but... Fuck, I lost my train of thought again. Uh, no, but I mean, I can continue that path. Like, we, we, we described, you know, a nice place. And, you know, Andy probably wouldn't mind taking a trip there. But if I told you, like, you can go there. You'll have to stay there for 10 years. And for those 10 years, you will have minimal contact with your son. Mm. Like... Uh, they they might be nice to you and they'll let you out so you can if you're if you're nice in there they'll let you go to his graduation they'll uh, let you maybe go home on his birthday but they can come visit besides that you 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 don't get to see more than an hour a week yeah you're still missing out on a huge portion of what would otherwise be your life and uh... and I, I think that's kind of like the combination you you treat them good enough to get some self-confidence and hope, but there is still enough for them to think, I want to take the next step and do all the things I can and do outside. So it's something to you know grow towards to and to hope towards to, but you're not broken or... like I think one of the biggest issues with the American system is no matter what you would like to change to become, the, the amount of danger and you know stress you're released onto make you just act and live in the moment and not you know think long term and if you want to change an individual to become something different for society they need to think long term yeah i mean let's jump on the usa because the usa is fucked they they really really they should there should be an international law banning them uh, prohibiting them from even using the word rehabilitation because i mean they're for-profit prisons i mean they have publicly owned prisons sure state-owned prisons, but it's slavery. I mean, let's start with that. In the U.S. Constitution, in the, I think it was the 13th Amendment that um, uh, abolished slavery. In, in that amendment, it specifically says that all forms of slavery is abolished 
except for convicted criminals, except for those in prison. So slavery is still legal in the USA, in a legal sense, not just, hey, well, you're still allowed to do this if you just... It's not a loophole, it's just straight-up legal slavery, as long as you're a convicted felon, and as long as you're in prison. And that happens. People are rented out, you know, to corporations as labor, free labor, or not free, because the prison makes money off them. Uh, I, I remember there was even, um, I don't remember if it was a video clip or an article, at least, where the warden or something of a prison, he was horrified that a bunch of prisoners were about to get um, uh, pardoned or have their convictions uh, overturned or so something about, I think it was marijuana convictions, people selling weed, and they were about to get their convictions just overturned or something. And he was horrified because where am I going to get all that free labor we keep selling? <laughs> he, would, he just went straight out and said it. So the motivation, the yeah. intention behind American prisons is very clear. It's free slave labor. Yeah. Slave labor. When, when you work in a Norwegian prison, you're entitled to minimum wage. Yeah. Like, we, you're not going to be rich on the things you do there, but you're compensated for your labor. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good thing because, I mean... Isn't that something you would want criminals to learn that if they put in a decent amount of honest labor that they would get paid back instead of just getting fucked over? Because if you're constantly getting fucked over, you're like, God damn, I'm going back to selling drugs. At least I got paid. Yeah, I mean, when you get out of prison, maybe you have some money saved up so you can actually get an apartment. And I mean, you've been exposed to so much positive behavior in prison that when you get out and, you know, depending on the environment you came from before you went to prison, the hope for our society is that that environment will no longer be attractive to return to. Let's say you're a drug dealer, for example. I mean, I'm not a drug dealer, yet at least. <laughs> One cancer, cancer, uh, cancer diagnosis away and I moved to America and <laughs> there you are. Selling meth. But... I, but I doubt, even though I'm not a drug dealer, I doubt it's a very healthy environment that makes you feel very good. Uh, so the hope is that when you get out of prison that you, you don't want to return to that. And let's go to America. What happens when you get out of prison in America? First of all, uh, you can basically, you basically can't get a job. You can get low, low, low paid work. And you have to declare on every, every job application that you are a convicted criminal. And that entitles you to a lifetime of min low, not even minimum wage work, if you're lucky. If you're lucky enough to even get a job. God forbid your name is Jamal or something. Oof. You might just not work at all. And that alone is reason enough to return to crime. I mean, I would chance it just... If I had to work, you know, for $8 an hour on McDonald's for the rest of my life, just in order to stay legal, you can be sure as hell. I would, I would just go straight into crime and say, okay, when my time comes, I'll just blow my brains out. Yeah, I'll just live comfortably until I get caught and then I'll kill myself. And if you look at the stats, that's kind of what happens. Yeah, I mean, the recidivism rate in America is close to 80% last I checked. Compare that to our 20 80%, 4 out of 5 convicts return to prison within and like a 2 or 
two to five year period. And even if that information I'm about to say now isn't technically publicly placed, the the the, the best prisons in Norway in terms of the the ones that have you know fully adopted this model and are like built for it, have an apparently an even lower uh, recidivism rate. So. I mean, yes, it costs a bit more, and yes, maybe some of the victims don't enjoy the fact that, you know, they get to live in nice places, but isn't that worth the amount of new victims we don't create? Yeah, yeah, because it's not just about making sure that, okay, let's say Matt comes out of, Matthew comes out of prison. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, sh- okay, sure, I don't want him to return to prison, but I don't really give a fuck about Matthew. I mean, he's, I don't know this guy, and... He's a criminal. Fuck him. Like, okay, I hope he gets a job in an apartment and stays out of trouble. But what I really care about is that he doesn't commit any crimes against me or my loved ones. So, like I'm living I said, close by. So, yes, yeah, so like I said earlier, be selfish, but realize that your selfish, your selfish uh, goal in this should also be to keep these people out of prison. Yeah, and you know that's the thing in America. They're in the punishment industry. Yeah. Over here, it's they're in the creating new neighbors. And and remember, while here we're creating new neighbors, as you say, the punishment doesn't stop in America when you get out of prison. I, I would actually say that you get punished harder when you get out because when you're in prison, you're you're in prison. That's a whole nother life. It's a different world. It's it's totally different. It's it's like its own it's its own little bubble. And i I actually think it's worse in a lot of ways to get out of prison because that's not the life you're accustomed to yeah and once you get out of prison you can't get a well-paying job you're fucked financially you're fucked for the rest of your life unless you're really really lucky you can't vote so politicians won't care for you yeah and you have you literally have zero representation politically you have less rights than an immigrant Uh, those immigrants you hate so much over there and also People look at you differently because he, shit, that guy went to prison. That guy murdered his wife. That guy sold drugs. I mean, people look at you differently. And you have no means, no tools, no no motivation really for showing them a different version of yourself because you've had zero room and zero resources while in prison to make those necessary changes to yourself. Some people go to prison and come out with, you know, a GED or some form of education. That's true, even in America. But it's it's still a very bad option compared to everything yeah. else. And once you get out, it's, impre- it's impressive in prison. <laughs> but when you get out, you're still that guy who went to prison for crime. And yeah, you got out with a GED, which some half-assed moron stoner could also get coming yeah. out of high school. And a lot of the, like... The other things of learning a trade is is harder there. Like if you're a plumber and you get to prison, you might get to do some plumbing work while in prison. But it's not like they're training new plumbers in prison, uh, which put you in the problem because, like, sure you can get some generic task in prison, like you're uh, dealing with like laundry clothes, and sure, like getting some discipline to to work could be good, but. No human being is ever going to, you know, sort of laundry and earn a living from that in the future. I'll give you a worse example. Uh, remember all those uh, all those wildfires in America maybe last year, last year before? I think it was 2020. 
2020 was <laughs> that was a wild it's fire. a rough year yeah that was a wildfire kind of year i'm guessing it was then uh you know who was helping put out the fires convicts mm. yeah they were putting out fires risking their lives and their lungs probably getting you know shit that will kill them kill them slowly cancer wise uh in the future and they were paid nothing slave labor and uh, it's not like they're going to be holding high regards for you know yeah, because, because they're convicts i mean they were working as firefighters but receiving zero you know creditation or credit for it or zero acknowledgement of the work they were doing or the the um, the uh, the competency they were building up cuz the best thing to do there would be like hey who wants to be who wants to help fight wildfires in california Okay, you guys, uh, once you, uh, we're going to give you training, and once you get out of prison, for those who want it, we're going to make sure that maybe you can become firefighters. Who wouldn't jump on that chance? Because most people, let's say you're just, you're some poor kid who, yeah, grew up, you know, walking the streets, sell, selling drugs maybe, whatever cliche criminal, cliche, criminal cliche you want to go for. That person very likely just never had a chance to, you know, go for anything better. If you grew up in poverty, you have very few options. And it's very, very expensive to be poor. <laughs> you have very few options. So take that person and ask, would you, take that, would you take that opportunity if you were given it? Like to become a firefighter. I mean, I'm not a firefighter myself, but I'm guessing that mm. would be a very attractive opportunity or you know just getting the offer just the opportunity to do it you have some freedom to choose society would be telling you that hey once you get out of prison there's a place for you because that's not what it's like in america right now and a lot of other places but you know america is our favorite punching bag so <laughs> that's where we're going and they also set the set the tone for basically the rest of the world barring china and <laughs> china is its own beast and fuck Russia. Vladimir Putin, fuck you as well. Yes, we haven't gotten your Russian bots this time around yet. Yeah. Uh, we do love our Russian bot viewers, though. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We had like three times the I amount of listeners. Our loyal Russian listeners. Comrades, I mean. Comrades. Mm. So, bring those back. <laughs> yeah. We should call this episode Putin something. Putin more people in prison. Yes. <laughs> yes, you see, Matthew is very bad at spelling. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, we should. And, uh, yes. Oh, uh, So, also, people's mentality... I mean, we've talked about mentality already, but uh, I want to talk about interpersonal mentality. And by that, I mean how you feel about other people. Because when you end up in prison here in Norway, you're treated well. You're treated humanely. You're treated with respect and you're given opportunities. And, you know, if you watch video clips of prisoners interacting with their, um, uh, with the prison guards uh, here in Norway, it's, I mean, it looks like a proper conversation. And, you know, for a bunch of people who are robbed of their general freedom, they don't have that many people to talk to, most likely. So the people working in those prisons they will have a lot of power when it comes to affecting the mentality of these people when yeah. we let them back out on the like, street. If you are going to work in a Norwegian prison, you're, you have like a full education. Uh, you, you have like, I mean, you'll be training all the natural prison guard things like breaking on fights, 
you know, the self-defense, all of those things. But there's also, like, you know, a big aspect of it, which are a lot like being a social worker. Yeah. And a big part of, you know, the Norwegian, I guess you could call the self-defense strategy, is the fact that the prison guards and the prisoners are going to be closely linked. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're a teacher, you're on the class, that's kind of like... Dealing with priesters, they're Matthew, crazy. We're talking they about at- criminals, not monsters. They attack each other, like, <laughs> and but but I mean, you could probably attest to that the fact that when you started to get to know these people more, you could start to see shit before it happens. Yeah, before because you can feel the temperature. I know who not to put next to each other. I know, I know what kind of activity to do at what time of the day because people are tired at the end of the day or too full of energy after lunch. You know. You learn a lot of the psychology yeah. of the people you're interacting with. And a lot of the security tactics for the Norwegian prisons is, you know, being there and noticing the things before they ha- it happened. Like in American prisons, like, you know, something goes bang and people fight. And here, you know, the thought is, you know, we're going we're gonna to feel the tension before that. And we're going to, you know, take them apart from each other. We're going to make them talk it out or do whatever it's needed to get it in. And you know, create a more friendly environment. And yeah, you diffuse the situation before it explodes. And I think it's really helpful because if you're in the, you know, environment when everybody's fighting, when everybody's, you know, acting that way, it becomes so much easier to adopt, you know, a similar attitude because you're dealing with a similar thing. So if yeah, and, and depending on where you are, that's a necessity. Yeah. Violence is a necessity. There are prisons in America, for example, or South America. I mean, yeah, MS-13, that gang, and, and a bunch of other gangs are very prevalent in prison. So much that there are people who intentionally return to prison because they have a more functional life and a higher quality of life in prison. Yeah. Because they're part of a gang, part of a family in those prisons. So... If you're in a prison where, you know, the dynamics are completely different, where, you know, a friendly attitude is rewarded or, and when every time, you know, something happens, people are taught to, you know, deal with these situations in a very different way and in a way that, you know, keeps your anger under control and, you know, that's an important part of rehabilitation because... Those are important. Like, would you want the guy who comes outside and crosses your daughter or son on the street to, like, you know, normal flight or fight reaction to be to lash out? Or would it be, you know, somebody who can, you know, take a step back, chill out, and, you know, try and, you know, resolve the conflict without, you know, using violence? Yeah, you want that person, the person you end up in a confrontation with, you want that person to be thinking that, hey, the way for me to win this situation is by diffusing it without violence, to be the guy who keeps his head calm. While if you're an American prisoner, for example, you are dropped into a very strict hierarchy often. Very often it's a very strict hierarchy of violence. And the top dog in prison, (laughs) that's not the guy teaching people to read. This isn't Shawshank fucking redemption. The top guy in, in prison is the guy who rapes and stabs anyone who crosses him. And when that guy gets out on the street, when he gets a job working a computer and someone eats his lunch, <laughs> what do you think that dude's going to do? Yeah, and if some of our listeners for some reason should happen to be, you know, working in a prison, they might be thinking that like, you know, it would be unfair for these people to get treated so nicely because 
you know, my, my job is really hard. I, I, I do all these things and it's so dangerous. And if they're going to get, you know, such a nice life. And I think... Why do you think it's so dangerous? A really important part of this is to understand the different form of being working in an American prison and a Norwegian prison. Because I remember watching this documentary and they were like interviewing uh, a Norwegian correctional officer besides an American one. And, you know, you could see this American woman like being in almost flight and fight mode when she was talked to. Like she was like, it's dangerous. We're going to pay attention at all times. You know, we, we, we do what we have to do. And if I'm lucky, I, got to, I get to go home at night and see my children. Like, that's the mentality. <laughs> that's not a healthy life. That, like, that's, that's a soldier mentality. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a soldier in an active war zone mentality. <laughs> Most soldiers are more relaxed than that. And Which is insane. I'm not saying that, like, being a correctional officer in Norway won't have its challenges or, you know, that it won't come to violence at some points. But they get to live a much more relaxed situation in which they get to deal with people hand-on. And, you know, a really great part about, you know, being close on with the prisoners the way, you know, like a teacher is with his students. If you befriend those prisoners... They're gonna help you out. They're probably not gonna stab you with the first opportunity. Yeah, because that's the thing. Because that, that uh, prison guard you mentioned... Okay, let's say she gets attacked by an, an inmate. Most prisoners, most other inmates, they will either, most likely they will just not get, not get involved or even worse, might get involved and yeah. cheer it on. Because it's us against them. Yeah. And in Norway, you would rather, I mean, if you even get attacked at all, which is extremely rare, other prisoners would be much more likely to jump in and help you and restrain the person and... Because, you know, yeah. you, you get on friendly terms and you're part... It's a team effort, the whole experience. Yeah. And if a prisoner is acting out violently, that's such a different... Uh, you know, it's, a, it's such extreme difference from the, you know, the milieu in its entirety that the other prisoners are more likely to be scared of that prisoners and back up with the guards than the other way around. Yeah, and they will also know that, hey, okay, that guy's... That guy's gonna... Okay... It's still Norway, so... But that guy's gonna be punished for that behavior. We're gonna be rewarded for not engaging in that behavior. The in America, it's just... That guy's absolutely fucked. I hope I don't get a punishment as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no... Or like, I'm gonna jump in and help him, and I'm gonna get, like, goody points for backing him up. So, like, I won't get killed in the shower later. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very... I mean, to call it a toxic environment is perhaps the understatement of the year. Yeah. But it's a stark difference. And like you said, I haven't seen that interview myself where you had a Norwegian um, prison guard and an American one. But I can imagine in my head exactly how it went. Because, yeah, the, the prison guards in Norway, they live very comfortably. And I, I don't think they regret treating their inmates so well at all. I think they see it as a great benefit. And also just, we shouldn't underestimate just how how it must feel. I mean, when you get on friendly terms with the person guarding you, uh, if you return to prison and see that person again, that guard, I'm pretty sure our Norwegian prisoners feel a, feel a sting of shame, you know, for returning to prison. It's not something... 
they've spent some time with this person, been treated well, been given a new chance, and then they return to prison. That's not going to feel good. I mean, I haven't spoken to that <laughs> to that many people who have been in prison in Norway. Definitely, definitely not maximum security. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. I don't think they would feel good about themselves if they returned to prison. Yeah, or, and or, that's the mentality you want to foster. Or, or to turn it around, I would say that they take pride in all the people who don't come back. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the prisoners now. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that the prisoner will, if they return to prison, the prisoner will feel a bit of shame. Yeah. Because, hey, this person was really cheering me on. They wanted me to succeed. And, ah, I fucked it up. That's the mentality we're fostering here in Norway, yeah, I think. Yeah, like, you, you care about those, you, you, you build those bonds with it, and you want to, like, you want to succeed for yourself, but you care about the other people who has a interest in you also succeeding. Mm. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you have parents that, like, don't give a fuck about what you're doing at school, or if they're cheering you on along the way, mm. then you're like, you, you want to come ho- home and show grades that you're proud of. Yeah. And, uh, I mean... We can move a bit outside of this realm, but I think this is its a good example on how Norway works, because even in Norway, it was a bit debate around this, but... And I co- get that. A couple of weeks ago, a um, Norwegian, uh, or a earlier convicted uh, robber, was on TV as a chess expert. Uh, and, Tosca? Yes. This yeah. was kind of a big deal, and ended up causing a lot of talking. Basically, about 20 years ago, uh, the biggest, at least in terms of money stolen, uh, Norwegian armed robbery happened. Uh, A police officer was shot and killed. There was a lot of shooting in Halden when it went down. And the robbers got away. They got away with all the money. And they got out of the country. But uh, as Norwegian police do, they ended up back here. They got sentenced to... You know, Excellent 15, years. 20 years. It was one of the... the our, our laws had been reformed, so this was like one of the first big cases where like the, the harsh punishments were put down in the new system. Put down? I mean, removed? No, no, no. Like, I mean, uh, in terms... This was like one of the mo- most given penalties. Oh, yeah, one of the harsh sentences in the new ones, uh, under the, the new system. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like the first one of that group coming out. And, uh, I mean, he did... Uh... It should also be stated that this guy, David Tosca, uh, he was, he's regarded as, you know, the mastermind behind this robbery. He was yeah. the leader of this. He, he planned this robbery, and, yeah, keep going. And he did, uh, I think he did a little over 15 years before he got out. He's been kind of quiet. Uh, he didn't want to do any interviews. He, you know, these people ended up almost being like... You know, when you do a, such a big crime, it becomes a big part of the public interest. So, like, for several years, these people were in the media, at least, you know, through the lens of the court system. Uh, went out again. He had, uh, you know, gotten a degree in um, computer science, I believe, which oh. is working on the side. Um, and um, he has also, in prison, taken up chess again, because back in the day, when he was young, before he, you know, fell off, he was regarded as, you know, one of his generation's better chess players. He participated with the school team, did really well, and, you know, could in theory have had maybe a career in chess. And seeing him on the news, or not the news, but, you know, the sport, you know... It was the world championship, it, it's, it's chess sta- championship. It started to be, you know, a debate with, like, is it okay to put him on, you know, there's 
victims out there that might see him. Uh, the the channel had talked with you know the the family of the police officer who died, and they they said that you know they would want him to do good to society. So they 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 looked at this as an opportunity for him to do you know non crime related things. But I know that you know the police officers that worked with him were really mad that this happened. Who and, worked with the dead police officer? Yeah, yeah, the colleagues of the dead police officer. Okay, and. There's two ways of seeing this, like, yeah, there are victims that might, you know, turn on the TV and see this guy who probably scared the shit out of them, you know, coming into the the place with a assault rifle and, you know, ski masks. But I also think that there's a victory that, you know, this guy that so many have seen, you know, either going in and out of jail on TV or that they might have seen, you know, in robbery in terms of like, you know, the the surveillance pictures or for the people being there that the next time they get to see him it's him outside doing honest work having you know talking about how you know chess helped you know him find a balance in lies like i understand not you know wanting to wanting to give him this spotlight but also the fact that this is something that happens in norway Instead of, you know, the next time he is on the news, it would be him going back into prison, which would be so much more normal in other countries. Yeah, and I I totally get the knee-jerk reaction of not liking that he's... that he gets gets to be on TV. That's a perfectly normal reaction, I think. And I I gotta admit, it feels kind of iffy to me as well. Uh, First of all, because chess is fucking boring! (laughs) Uh, But... uh, but seriously, uh, I agree with you that it's it's a it's a great societal victory that this is possible here in Norway. I, it makes me very proud to be Norwegian that this is how far we've come. Uh, but I, I really I do understand the negative reaction because, like you said, the victim victims of this, they're still gonna have those memories. But we have to view this as a society because if someone murders my family. Uh, and uh, yeah, or or uh, yeah, okay, bad example. But if something bad happens like that, an armed robbery, uh, of course, it's it's gonna stay with those victims for the rest of their lives, most likely. But you wouldn't ask the you wouldn't ask the um, the loved ones of someone who got murdered how we should treat the criminal who was responsible, because they're not in a state of mind to make a good decision yeah, about like that. Even the American system that has the death penalty and torture in prison, like even their victims won't be happy enough with, you know, the the treatment. They would have it be even worse. Yeah, they yeah. They they foster a, a way of thinking. So that's... so so when you can't, you know, offer them their relief through that, then you know the next question becomes, okay, how can we make sure this never happens again? And I think it's, you know, it's interesting seeing how, you know, he's been, you know, this Tosca, he has been talked about as a mastermind, partly because he had, you know, the the first thing, if you, you didn't really Google back then, but if you could Google people back then, the first thing you would find on him was, you know, his chess history. And so, so he was kind of, I guess, you know, you know, built up as a mastermind because, you know, they wanted to sell these characters in the media. Mm. But he's obviously a guy who has fallen into crime with like you know you and me have had you know the conversation about how would we rob a bank how would we do these things you know it's obviously hypothetically (laughs) it's obviously that you know 
this is, you know, a part of this that he enjoyed looking at, you know, maps and things and like, how can I get through this system? How can I get in there? Yeah. And through going or through being in prison, he has now, you know, gotten that energy turned into like, how can I solve this computer problem? How can I outplay this chess, uh, you know, match from this position? Which means that the the parts in his brain that led to him, you know, being I wouldn't say addicted to crime, but you know, getting an enjoyment from it besides you know the the money it gives. I mean, there's the adrenaline rush. Yeah. You're doing something that very few other people yeah. do, and I think every criminal that does something like this, uh, every criminal who commits a crime that is planned in advance, I think basically all of them have the thought in the back of their head that I can do this better than anyone else. I can be that guy who gets away with it. I mean, that's what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to return to the aspect of, you know, is it okay for these people, like David Tosca, for example, to be on TV? Because I think that's the part that... Uh, if he hadn't been on TV, if you just said that, hey, uh, victims of... Victims of the, the loved ones of the guy who was shot, the police officer who was shot. How do you feel about him uh, starting a career uh, in co computer science? I think they would be just anyone would be happy about that. Even the the colleagues of the dead police officer would probably say, "I think that's great." Yeah. The part where I think most people, including me, get more of a negative reaction is when they see him on TV because most people don't get to be on TV. It's viewed as something positive and. I think people are reticent towards making criminals into a kind of celebrity for yeah. the crime they committed. And that's that's the balance we need to strike because I'm not for that. I mean, I do not think David Tosca should be able to earn any money on interviews or documentaries regarding I mean, the crime he committed. Considering he's owing the Norwegian state a whole lot of money... Uh, Whatever he's earned is not going to go to him anyway. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, if you have if you have some kind of arrangement arrangement that makes sure that, okay, if he can show up in a documentary and speak about how he planned it and stuff and get some money from that, and that money goes straight back to the state or to the victims, okay, that's fine. But as I think most people would say that as long as he's not as long as his crime isn't making him a celebrity, and yeah. making him rich. That's something uh, I'm okay with. And, and I think that, you know, was kind of the beautiful thing about him being here because it was him talking about, you know, chess, not him talking about robberies. Yeah. He wasn't there as, you know, to talk about, you know, a new case that has happened and, you know, give that input. Like, sure, he talked a bit about, you know, what it had mean, mean for him in prison, but it was, you know, not about his past as much as it was about, you know, his current and his future. Yeah, how it affected the person he is now and like, like how the person he is now was developed, yeah. basically. And yeah, yeah, I see it as a great victory for our society when, when, like you said, when we can see him on TV and see David Tosca, the chess expert. Yeah. Who was also a criminal, but and, we've seen him change for the better. And hopefully. I think, think about, you know, there are essentially two ways this could have gone down. Like, not this, but like, he goes to jail, and then he goes to jail, and then he ends up outside, and he, he keeps doing crimes. So he, he teaches others his skills, he helps others with his planning, so it's not only, you know, his crimes, but there are new people that, you know, through him 
get into this world and you know there are new victims of course yeah and just imagine or, how those victims feel about hey the guy who killed my dad or my husband or my yeah. colleague he's still out there committing crimes still or it's the fact that you know he turns a new leaf so it's you know one of the top you know robbery planners it's off the board essentially in terms of Norwegian crime without you know transferring those skills to other people and now you know prisoners get to sit there and think that like wow I mean, maybe not all of them like chess, but, you know, if they were go to watch and see, you know, him being on TV, it's like, there might be a future out there for me that's completely different than what I used to do before I got caught. Yeah, and also, I think we all need to just take take a breath and remind ourselves that with very few exceptions, I, I'm tempted to say that with zero exceptions, every single one of us is susceptible to becoming a criminal if pushed if you push the right buttons or the wrong buttons. Are you saying that you would download the movie, Andy? <laughs> I would download it, delete it, and download it again! I'd download all the cars, all of them, Matthew, all of them! Yeah, but, like, I've committed crimes. I'm not gonna say them out loud here. But I've committed crimes, you've committed crimes. No Most comments. of us have committed some form of crime. And, uh, yeah, just don't tell them where the body's buried. But most of us have committed crimes in some form. And just not gotten caught. It's true. I skipped school once. <laughs> yeah. Twice. And we were caught both times. <laughs> not really. <laughs> well, no. We're, we were found out. <laughs> we weren't convicted. <laughs> but, but yeah, most of us have in some form committed crimes already. Just maybe not such serious crimes. But all of us are possible future criminals. Yeah. So just take a moment to remind yourself that Okay, maybe you wouldn't have robbed a bank and gotten a police officer killed. Maybe you wouldn't have sold drugs, whatever it may be, that the crime may be. But you could also be pushed into doing stuff like that. Like, let's say, I mean, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Fuck, let's use Breaking Bad as an example. Who wouldn't be able to be pushed into the same... I mean, if I was in Walter White's position, lung cancer, debt, uh, a family with people who need me, and a society that will forget my name once I'm dead. Fuck it. If I if I have the skills to do what he he could do, and okay, so luckily you like he could cook meth. You can't even cook spaghetti. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's referencing the time where I, by no fault of my own, forgot to put the water in the in in the in the casserole. The Italians, man, they're complicated people. Complicated. But yeah, so every one of us is susceptible to, you know, to falling into that, into that life. And so we should just keep in mind that, yeah, even though you might not do the most serious shit like David Tosca did, you would still probably be willing to do something similar if pushed, pushed hard enough. I know I would. So if you keep that in mind, maybe it's a little easier to... Watch these people with an empathetic eye. Not sympathy, maybe. I don't feel any sympathy for David Tosca. I don't know enough about his life, but I'm, I'm sure I mean, there was stuff there that pushed him into the stuff. But I can empathize. The, the truth of the matter is, him. you know, even in America, where you could get, you know, hundreds of years in prison, or you could get the death penalty, depending on where you are, 95% of all people in American prisons are going to get out in their lifetime. Yeah. 
you're gonna cross them on the street. They might be living, living next to you. Or your children might run into them in, you know, a mall. Who do you want that person to have become in prison? Yeah. Do you, want, do you want that person to have hope for their future? Or do you want them to have nothing to lose? What's that saying again about people with nothing to lose? <laughs> it's not a good one, man. It's, yeah. You want those people to have hopes for the future. And yeah, I'm not saying you should smile and wave to them, but treat them like human beings. And remember that that could have been you under the right or wrong circumstances. And yeah, here in Norway, we, we have the stats. <laughs> this isn't just two morons just, hey, look at our prison. People can, people can walk on the lawn and play football. We have the stats. 20% recidivism. One in five. In America, four out of five return to prison. And uh, every time they return, it's for a reason and somebody else got hurt. Yeah. And that costs society money. Having people on the inside costs money. Mm. And also, I mean, just to tackle this last bit last bit on the end uh, another criti- criticism you see of this system where we treat our prisoners so well is when you compare compare it to how we treat our elderly for example yeah that's a that's a good one because uh, there are times here in Norway where you will see uh, an article or a we should spend more money on our elders uh, yeah because there are places where our elders are treated worse than our prisoners, than our criminals. And, and that's wrong. I mean, of course they should have at least the same quality of life as someone who's in prison. We should just put all the elderly people in prison. But Problem to me, solved. To me, that's just a signal, uh, and I'm speaking personally and also just as a Norwegian citizen, to me that signals that, hey, we need a lot tighter control of how, uh, how nursing homes are operated. And we need to maybe put more money into it. And we need to, you know, stop privatizing healthcare because it's not... The health of my grandmother is not an industry. Okay, I won't... I mean, (sighs) we we, we understand that, like, (laughs) private prisons are bad. So, you know, maybe if we treat our, you know, elderly with the same respect that, you know, we could get the same good results. How, How about taking all those prisoners and saying, hey, would you mind treating some elderly people, just treat them like... Treat them like we're treating you. Yeah. <laughs> that will actually be an improvement on their lives and yours. And you'll also be able to get a job when you get out. Yeah. Win-win for everyone. Grandma get to like smoke weed with some cool prison guy. Yeah. And talk about tattoos. So be selfish. Think of yourself. But see the benefits for you in treating criminals like people. Yeah. And making sure they have options when they get out of prison. But Andy, do you know what's not a crime? What, Matthew? Sharing this podcast with a friend. Bow, bow, bow. That's or leaving right. a review. Or like subscribing or following or whatever it's called. Because sometimes we're not posting things regularly. Yeah. So please follow us. And even better, please give us feedback if you can be bothered. Yeah. We'll yeah. put out our mystical Twitter account so uh, people can reach us. Also, uh, we haven't received anything yet. So I, I will make this pledge now. I will read out loud... Anything you write to us, as long as it's not horribly, you know, racist, racist or anti-Semitic or, you know, in favor of Chelsea or Manchester City. I mean, that's... I mean, don't, also, if don't you give li- them ideas. Also, if you like The Last Jedi, we're going to have a problem, but yeah. Okay. Now you're being racist. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>